Welcome to Main Street Views, brought to you by Walt's Apartment Podcast Network. We're back. It's 2023. We're so excited to be here. We got some great views, some great topics for this year. Um, Lewis, who puts this show together and comes up with the topics, um, got some good stuff planned for this year. We're going to talk about Imagineers, trash cans, retheming parks, you name it. We're going to talk about it. Lewis, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited for today's topic. Uh, it was a dream of mine to be an Imagineer, so to talk about it is uh, one step closer. That's perfect. And speaking of Imagineers, when we talk Imagineers, you got to bring in someone who knows a lot of Imagineers, who knows about the Imagineers, who does an Imagineer feature on the Extra Magic Hour. Sam, how are you? I am so excited to be here tonight. When yeah. I saw that this was going to be your guys' topic, you know, Lewis had put it in Discord, and I was like, I have to be there. I have to yep. be there. Invite, Put me in, Coach. Yep. I'm excited for it. This should be fun. Lewis has put together some really good talking points and topics to talk about, and we were even talking before we started recording about if certain things are actually what they are. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to hand it over to Lewis, and you're going to take over from here and run the show, my friend. Let's go. Awesome. Well, uh, as we get started, we got a few talking points about Imagineering. Um, but I want to hear, without using what we know Imagineering is, but if you were to paint the picture of what is Imagineering, how would you pitch it to somebody that did not know what Imagineering was? So we'll let uh, Sam go first. Imagineering is what sets Disney parks apart from every other amusement park. It is the storytelling. It is the theming. It is the way that the picture is painted for you so that you are fully immersed in the attraction environment. Yep. <laughs> Is you going to second that one, Sean? No, I'm, I, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a cliche thing to say, but they're the real magic makers for, for Disney. I mean, I, and in, in, in preparing for this, I started watching the Imagineering story again, like yesterday. And re- really, that's what they do. They are the ones, the creativeness. And we talked about this on our on our live show a little bit ago when we recorded that, you know, they just made the Tron announcement. But Sam made the point in saying, you can tell that Imagineers had a, had a hand in how they were going to announce this. It wasn't like the other stuff for the past couple of years. And it's the Imagineers have a different mindset. They... I don't know. I, I ramble. So they're creative like, geniuses. It, uh, exactly. They're, they, they're magic makers. So I completely, that's how I feel about it. They have the creativity and the innovation for the entire mm-hmm. company. Would you guys agree or disagree that when we go to the parks or when we go on the cruise lines or when we see anything that has an Imagineers touch, that it's a clear sign that Disney doesn't, did not give the Imagineers the creative freedom. Do you think you can see that? in the first couple seconds of an attraction or a show, is it easy to spot that the Imagineers uh, tools were stripped from them and it was a quick cut process. Do you think it's easy to identify that? 110%. You can tell within the first minute if an Imagineer had full creative liberty to work on whatever this attraction or exhibit or whatever it is, because if an Imagineer worked on it and had their full abilities and were given the permissions that were used to them being given in Imagineering history, you are fully immersed immediately when you walk through the doors. Mm-hmm. If you're not fully immersed, if it's just kind of like, eh, like I'm waiting in this queue. It wasn't an Imagineer's doing at least not an Imagineer who was able to do the things that they're meant to be doing. I will just second that. <laughs> Honestly, that's for sure. That's she hit it on the head. You, you can tell on some things that 
you know, I mean, Splash Mountain, I mean, do you think about it? The, Splash Mountain starts in the queue, I think. I've never seen the mine train. I've heard it's all Imagineer, you know, the whole time because of the, interactive, all, the yeah. interactive and the way you communicate and talk to the guest and, and involve the guest as well. And I think Splash Mountain is a probably great example of, of that because once you walk into that, it's you're, you're in that. It's like Indiana Jones as well. The same thing. You just feel that once you walk in. So that's a good question. Now with with that, what if what is one attraction? And Sam, since you're Walt Disney World and Sean, you're Disneyland. What's one attraction that's either still here or no longer here that you feel was a key piece to show? Hey, that was not Imagineers' work or not Imagineers' greatest work. What do you think is an attraction that identifies as just putting it there because we need it there? I'm actually going to go with an attraction at Walt Disney World that has that was full on Imagineering Tony Baxter magic that they then made changes to and stripped the Imagineering out of. I'm going to go Journey into Imagination with Figment. They got rid of the Rainbow Corridor. It's gone through quite a few transitions. Dreamfinder is gone. They took out those like magical Imagineering aspects because it was going to you know cost them money and upkeep. For those things. So they kind of watered it down. They gave us a watered down version and it is not the same. Mm-hmm. It took the magic away. So I'm going to go with that. Which is hard because Figment, I mean, no disrespect to the mouse, but Figment is, is Epcot's Mickey. I mean, <laughs> you really can't have that there. Like it's, it's crazy that that's not there. Yeah. I mean, as if Figment's there, like that is a key character. Like it's iconic for there. Well, Figment is there. Figment is still there, but they took out a lot of the, and, and that entire ride is about imagination, but they took out the dream finder and the flying machine, the dream machine. They took out the entire rainbow corridor. It has gone through so many transitions that it's just, it's just, it's not, it's, it's just like a little semblance of what it was meant to be. So you're asking this same question for for Disneyland? Yeah, for Disneyland. So what what do you what is an attraction or 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 a project that you feel is still in the parks or not in the parks that you felt was just that it's no there's no imaginary magic to it. It was there because we needed it there and that's it. I mean, you go back to DCA when they first opened the the Superstar Limo, I think was and everyone has said that's was just I've seen I remember seeing it. It was awful. It was like cardboard stand-ups, you know. What they replaced it with and they replaced it with Monsters Inc. I thought was way better. Even though it's still kind of the same thing, it's still the same space, but there's more of a story being told. The superstar limo just didn't fit anywhere. And that's that's what I you know. That was like here we need something quickly. And that's mentioned in the Imagineering story about how bad it was, you know. So what kind of mind for you, Lewis? I think Rocket Rods. Rocket mm-hmm. Rods was I think not really had an imaginary touch. Now, granted, that was what early 2000s, late 90s. So I feel like imagineering was big, but it was only big to those that knew of it. If you didn't know of it, they were just the the elves working behind the scenes. And I think Rocket Rods is a key example of that because you put a ride that was forced into a ride that didn't need to be there. The People Mover is some imaginary magic. You make a ride that's going all of what four miles an hour on a small little loop and people love it to this day. Mm-hmm. And you put a fast adrenaline ride vehicle on this itty bitty track that nobody loves. Like that is iconic for failed Imagineer right there. I, I want to kind of disagree with you a little bit because I've been on the rocket rods. It was fun, it, it, but it never worked. So that was the biggest problem with it, that it ne- literally never, ever, it was down more than Indiana Jones every day. Because it, it didn't fit on what it where it was supposed to be, it just didn't make sense there. But it, the idea, that like when you're imagineering, <laughs> right, right, and that's I mean they've even discussed that. Like you know, Bob Bob Gurr even said you know the thing was he went to see it and went went to go on. It was broke down. It was always broke down. I thought it was a good idea. It just wasn't elaborated on the way that I think. I think it was they're trying to make a quick fix. But why remove the people mover anyway? Because they were great. So that's the bottom line of that. So on Extra Magic Hour, 
last week we talked about Yale Gracie. Mm-hmm. And when we go back and we think about the original Fantasyland rides, they were literally cardboard and paint. Like, Yeah. I almost was going to say Peter Pan when you asked that question because the outside of Peter Pan is basically nothing. It's just a queue and a picture of a ship, you know, so it's kind of boring along those lines. I mean, even Mr. Toad's Wild Ride has, has a decent queue once you get inside, but yeah. Peter Pan is just... But you, you know who uh, you know who helps to add that queue? Yale Gracie. Mm-hmm. Because think about Imagineering when those fantasy original dark rides opened in Fantasyland. It was literally like they were like a team of three yeah, trying to get it built in no time. The paint was still wet. They were literally hand painting on essentially what was cardboard, but it was a different type of material. They built Um, a theme park in 10 months. Yeah. (laughs) And like they, it was unheard of. So there are times when the company has, stepped into Imagineering very slowly. So like, we've got to get these dark rides up. We have to do it. Like, let's put them up. And then they're like, we can add a little bit more magic. So they bring in the likes of, you know, the illusioneer, the illusioneering of Yale Gracie and, um, or the likes of Tony Baxter to come in and add things that like add Mark elements. Davis, like Mark Davis adding to the jungle cruise. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, Jungle Cruise was nothing until he 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 got his hands on it. So did you know funny. there was actually a woman that was in charge of Imagineering, um, and she was doing a piss poor job. Basically, she was in charge of Imagineering the Jungle Cruise, and Mark Davis had to take over for her. No, I know. I know that. I know they brought brought him in to look at it and say, "Give us your opinion." And then he gave, gives his opinion, and then they say, "Okay, now make all that happen that you just did." Honestly, without the humor, I don't care about. Um, sure, I, yeah, I agree. Jungle Cruise, like and, and- the animatronics are subpar. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, okay, there's things to look at, but it's a slow moving ride. Like the skippers and the humor are what make the ride. So absolutely, Imagineering is so vast too. It's not just. Anim, uh, animatronics built builders. It's not just sound like music sounds. It's not just the illusionary. It's it's script writing too. Oh yeah, script writing is a huge part of Imagineering. And we learned that when we had when Brian was on. Mm-hmm. We you yeah. know he talked he 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 wrote this. Then he write this. He wrote the script for a great movie ride, didn't he? He worked on um, it. He did. He he also helped with the Albert Awal script for. Jungle Cruise. Yeah. And Hunter show writer. get some work on too. He, he, we need to get him back on. Please make yeah, that sure. happen. Yeah. Like when I can actually be on with him. So. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Lewis. We, this, this is not going to be just an hour. Just no, so. <laughs> no. I, I love it. I, I'll talk Imagineering all day. Uh, and with that, though, I'm curious, though, who are your guys' top three Imagineers? <laughs> My number wow. one is Herb Ryman. Oof. You guys know the Herb Ryman story, right? Oh, yeah. How Herb Ryman had, he had started with the studios, left the Walt Disney Company and, or left WED. And and Walt's like, listen, I'm building a theme park. I need your help. And basically locked him in a room for a weekend. And yeah, that's how they did it. Do this with me. And it was Herb and it was Walt. And they designed the entire Disneyland park over a weekend. They had to have it ready by like 9 a.m. Monday morning so that Roy Disney could take it to the investors to Mm -hmm. pitch it. Um, Herb Ryman showing up the way that he did for Walt Disney in those moments and believing in the concepts that Walt had and accepting them for what they were and creating a plan, the entire master plan to put them in place in like, 72 hours yeah, makes him my, my number one Imagineer. Should we go each do our, our favorites and then like circle around each one, 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 two, two, two. Three, yeah, we can do one. that. That'd be awesome. Okay. All right. So my number one, um, we, we talked a little bit about this before and I was going to go with Walt Disney, but then I, I've changed my mind. Um, I'm going to go with Marty Sklar. I think as my favorite, just because of the impact he had in everything as well. And also going when I went at D23 and saw the Marty Sklar uh, panel 
and just how deeply invested and rooted he was. And like you said, the same thing with Herb Ryman, how close he was to, to Walt Disney wrote his speeches, wrote, wrote the, wrote the blue book or the green book that they still use to this day as the guide for, for Imagineering. And you know and, how and, he got started, right? Too. Yeah. Using the mailroom, right? Selling yeah. newspapers. Yep. And seeing that, see, seeing how he grew into the company and then like the, going to his archives and yeah, Marty Sklar is, is, is awesome. So that would be my number one. So how about you, Lewis? Mine is, it's very similar in the playing fields you guys are going with, but I'm going John Hench. Um, at the, it, the same one. exact reasons. I mean, really pioneering, not necessarily what we know today, but kind of like the blueprint. Uh, I love the, the four steps, you know, you see the chapel on the skyline. You go a little closer. You smell the the trees like that. When you touch that door knocker, you can you can touch it. You can feel it. You can move it. Just really taking what Walt was building and giving it a vision, giving it a path, giving it a way to realistically what we have today. Uh, just like Marty, uh, just like Herb, like whether we can read this, it's a script, it's a manual that hey, we can go back and look on and realize hey, this is how we did it then. Mm-hmm. Let's keep improving. So mine yeah. would be John Hinch. That's a good one. Yep. What's your number two, Sam? Uh, my number two is actually Marty Sklar. But because of his managerial ways with Imagineers and the way that he inspired other Imagineers. Mm-hmm. So for me, that looks like his Ten Commandments. Are you guys aware of Marty's Ten Commandments? Mm-hmm. If that's what the blue book is. Is it a blue book yeah. or a green book? Is it blue? It's blue. Okay. Well, he also has dream it, do it, right? Right. But um, I'm just going to list them really quick for anybody at home that is sure. Um, so knowing your audience, don't bore people, talk down to them or lose them by assuming that they know what you know. You need to meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. As an educator, that speaks loudly to me. I can't just assume what kids know. You can't assume what somebody walking into an attraction is going to understand about that attraction. Right. Wear your guest shoes is number two, which is why Walt had the rule that you had to walk through every attraction. He got yep. that idea from Marty. Three, organize the flow of people and ideas. We know that that is hugely important when it comes to overly crowded theme parks. Number four, create a weenie. That is a visual cue that leads you from one part of the attraction to the next year, you have one thing that's always pulling you forward through the ride, through the attraction or down main street. The castle is a weenie. It pulls you through to the next location. Then you're being pulled down, you know, to the mad tea party. There's always a weenie, something that is pulling you through. Communicate with visual literacy. So using colors, shape, form, texture, Lewis, as an artist, you understand all of that. Um, avoiding overload because you can overdo it. You can overdo it. Uh, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> like how yep. many times have we heard that? Tell one story at a time. You don't want to mix like five or six stories into one attraction. Avoid contradiction. So the public needs to know who you are and what differentiates you from other theme parks. Disney does that well because Leaders like Marty stepped up and said, this is who we are in a representation and we're going to keep doing this. Unfortunately, we've started to see that a little bit in the more recent leadership where Disney has contradicted itself. But we are hoping with the changes that we're seeing that Disney is going to start leading itself back forward through Imagineering. For every ounce of number nine is for every ounce of treatment, provide a lot of fun. You always want to teach something. There's always a lesson to be learned, but you got to do it through education, through through educational fun, and then keep it up. Never underestimate the importance of cleanliness and routine maintenance. People expect to get a good show every time, and people will comment more on broken and dirty stuff and dirty stuff. And we know that that was a huge part of Walt's mission for the parks. He didn't want to see trash. Didn't want gum stuck on things. He wanted things upkept and maintained well. So Marty instilled these things in all of the Imagineers that came after him. But he was also an incredibly personable man. And he Mm -hmm. cared about the other Imagineers' personal lives. Um, 
I am friends with Roger Holzberg, who was a vice president, creative director of Imagineering. And he had to go to Marty one time. And Marty's like, hey, I've got this project for you. And I want you to go do it. And Roger's like, I, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to leave California. Marty's like, I'm not giving you a choice. You need to go. He's like, your dad is there. You need to go see your family. And like sat down and talked him through how that would be the best move for his family. So he was an incredibly personal person, but he also wasn't afraid to threaten you. I found out I like threatened to like choke him out in the parking lot. If you didn't listen, <laughs> Jeez. obviously like j- joking, he's, he's not actually going to go do that, but like, he's like, no, yeah, Marty was cool. And like I said, that, that panel, if someone has a video of that panel, that panel was great. Just going to his archives. He has like a million things archived that he kept. He kept I want to see his pin hat. You should see all of his pins. They actually have, not his pins, but they had a picture of all of his name tags. That's, oh and, yeah, that's awesome. And it was like a couple hundred of them. Like just different, just said Marty, Marty and Disneyland. Oh. Walt Disney I World, believe it was just... Tokyo where he started his pin hat collection. Mm. Somebody gave him a Tokyo pin. Oh. And then he started, he put it on his hat and then he started collecting pins from everywhere. Nice. <clears throat> so are we on my number two? Mm-hmm. My number two is Bob Gurr. Um, just because he was, you know, his, his stories is the same thing. He was just came out of high, North Hollywood high school, didn't know what he was doing, wanted to build cars and wound up building roller coasters and had to learn how to do it. Not even the fact that it's something that, Oh yeah, I'm going to design roller coasters. That's going to be my job. No, his job was to build the Autopia stuff like that. It wasn't, you know. So, and then his segment in the Imagineering story is so sweet with with when he gets to go up in the Matterhorn, which he built, and they talk about how he, you know, Walt would say, "You're going to build me this monorail. You're going to build me Autopia cars. You're going to and he anything that moved, he built it, you know." And I just think he's and he's still alive. It was you know, and that that's cool. And he's. He's awesome. He, what a smart dude. And he, he, you look at stuff at Disneyland and say, holy crap, that's that's Bob Gurr. There's, I mean, you can look there and say it for everyone, but the biggest thing in the park literally is his, his, his design, which is the first tubular roller coaster ever where he had to learn trigonometry to figure out how to make it work. So that's insane to me. So that's he, he's my number. That's, that's yeah. Well, it wasn't passionate. It was Walt said, do it. You better freaking figure out how to do it. But he was passionate about making that come true. Absolutely. Making it happen. For sure. But yeah, I, Bob Gurr is my number two. I should be getting my picture soon, which will be cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah, Sam finally sent that out. I'm going to go right here, I think. I think I'll you put better it right go, here. You better go check your uh, PO box. <laughs> I'll check it tomorrow, yeah. So my number two was hard because it was trying to figure out, trying to put three was hard, but trying to put one in the second spot without bumping my third one was hard. So uh, honorable mention for. I was like, can we have an honorable mention? Because I I do have one. I I just had one. Uh, So my honorable mention for second was Claude Coates. I I really want, I really liked from what I, I mean, I never met the gentleman, but from what I've seen and read, it's always doing stuff, providing things, but, never really being in the forefront, which I, I admire that. But my second is actually Mark Davis. Um, and the reason why I chose Mark Davis was coming from the animation background. He went from doing animation, doing the cartoons to then going into the parks and not really stepping on anybody's toes for projects. Like you don't really hear about a whole lot of Mark Davis projects. You hear about what Mark Davis did just to add a little bit more magic, a little bit more flair, a little bit more comedy and seeing things like pirates, how his uh, characters translate so well to animatronics. Like they're, the pictures you see that he drew to the statues you see, you would have thought he made the fabric himself. It's so to the T. So I really like that, that he went from the animation background to work in the parks and really just expand that art world. But then again, never really intended to create projects himself just to assist and support and add a little bit more here and there. I really admire that about Mark Davis. That leads right into my number three, because my number three is his powerhouse of a wife, Alice. Yep. So Alice 
stepped into literally any role that they needed her to. She was helping with those um, animatronics. She <laughs> went from working on small world costumes. She's costume designer. She went from working on small world, small world costumes to pirate costumes literally overnight and crushed it. Everywhere they asked her to be and everything they asked her to do, she showed up and she, I even, I, I remember a story. Um, I think it was Bob Gurr might've went to her and said like, Hey, we, something happened with a pirate's costume. I can't remember exactly who it was that went to her, but somebody went to her and said, Hey, something happened with a pirate's costume. And this was like, after she's retired and all of this, Mark's already gone. And she goes, um, I stretched my budget. And I had duplicates of the costumes made and I have them here in storage just in case something like this oh. happened. Dang. So like she wasn't given huge buzzes, budgets because costuming animatronics, they're like, that's not going to cost money, you know? Um, and she was able to provide that and give it over to them. It might've been, actually, I think it might've been Joel Christopher Payne who told me that who's a oh. Disney artist. Um, so, I mean, Alice's powerhouse and, just show like she would sit with the men mind you imagineering was a a male dominated feel at the time she would sit with those men head held high and she would question what she wanted to question she would say what she wanted to say she did not hold back she's my kind of woman so i'm gonna go with alice davis for number three okay do you have an honorable mention El my honorable mention was actually going to be mark okay that's fair so. <laughs> all right um mine my number three would be tony baxter um had the kind of beginning, started scooping ice cream in the park. That's how he got started in Imagineering, going on to create probably some of the best attractions out there. Um, Big Thunder Mountain, which is in my top three favorite attractions. Um, Indiana Jones, Star Tours. Um, I just like Figment. him. And I, I, <laughs> did he create Figment? He he was big in uh oh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dream, yeah, to imagination. He just he, he um, I, I, I he's great, and I just he's just cool to listen to. You know what I mean? I don't go into depth as much as Sam, but um, yeah, Tony Baxter is cool. Tony Baxter did a lot. Um, I'm kind of bummed. I I thought I'd heard that he was going to be coming out of retirement to help with Tiana's, but then I guess that he's not. He was supposed to come out and help with redoing it then he's i not, i have he also is. heard that he may be coming back to help with journey into imagination again so like there are a lot of rumors about tony baxter coming out of retirement well you lost like joe road joe roadie road joe Rody. so but you know. also tony baxter has mentioned that for the right project he would yeah and i and i think i know that splash mountain was big was was big for him that was a, a big accomplishment for him and, you know, and to come up with that idea. He's just cool. I, 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 I'm always been a fan of his, his work, stuff like that. Um, my honorable mention would be Raleigh Crumb because I just thought he was cool as hell. I just, you know, the stories I watched, I, I don't know what it was I watched, but to, to watch something and he, when he gets emotional about when Walt died and it's just, but then he's joking and then he tells the story. I think imaginary it's an imaginary story. I think I think it's an imaginary story. And he tells the story about how him and um I cannot think who was his partner with on Haunted Mansion, how they would set uh, up Claude, Claude Coates. Yeah, Claude how Coates. they would how they would set up the room and it would scare they would scare the uh the um security guard at night with all the stuff they have for the Haunted Mansion. He's just yeah. funny. Seemed like a cool dude, but Tony Bach number three for sure. Honorable mention would go to um Raleigh. Yeah, and, and you bring up a, a solid thing, Sam, about the it's Imagineering when it first started was a very men strong thing. And when I was creating this list, I, I was really I, I, there's one female Imagineer that I really admire. Uh, it's not my top three, but I really wish uh, I was trying to get Mary Blair in there just because the fact that like again quiet kept to herself, but stuck to what she knew, how she did it, and made it blow up what we love today. So I was really trying to get her on there, but you guys mentioned my third one and that's Joe Rhodes. Um, I just hey, like, I just like his thought process on when yeah. creating something. Why is that there? Why is this, this, but also to going out and learning it. Like every 
piece of imaginary so that I found about Joe Rody. I follow him on Instagram and it's always let's read, let's find out why we're doing this. How do we make this as authentic as possible? And I just love that thought process. Like let's dig as far down as we can to get the information. So that way, when we are replicating this, it is the best it can be to the viewers and the storytelling themselves. So I was trying to get Mary Blair in there, but Joe Rody was my third one. Joe Rody understands the emotional connection more than any other Imagineer. I'm pretty sure. For like, sure. For that sure. story of him walking the tiger in to pitch Animal Kingdom as a park to Michael Eisner. Who walks a Bengal tiger into a boardroom? Like who, who has that kind of balls? Joe, <laughs> Joe Rody. Rody does. Yeah. He, he was, I had, I had him on my top three, but then I just had to look back. I'm, I'm more of a farther back history kind of person, but. It's I mean, so hard to pick through. Like, and you were just talking about the women. Like, for me, like I, as you were saying that, I was like, how did I not think about Harriet Burns? Like, I didn't even think of Harriet Burns. But like, yeah, yeah, Adam you Yoda. Can, like, yeah, three is tough, Lewis. Damn you, three is really tough. That's, but I get why you did it. Yeah, it it was. I was sitting. There, I was like, what number do I put? Because I was going to put who's your favorite Imagineer. And yeah. then when I found myself trying to like battle that in my head, I was like, all right, maybe we can do two. And then I was like, nah, two just seems weird. I'm going to go with three. Yeah. And then I was um, like, anything more than three, we're in trouble. I appreciate that you set the goal of three. Yeah. Because we could, we could still it be cause, it, Like it helps yeah. us to like really think through the ones that are important to us and why they're important to us. So therefore, we're kind of like imagineering this episode. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I with Joe Rody. Yeah. <laughs> and with the number three. We're going to go into the next part of this discussion. What are your favorite? And we'll do it the same way. Uh, we'll go one, one, one all the way around. What are your top three Imagineering projects? <laughs> My number one was the Haunted Mansion. With Disneyland one? Yes. Okay. Um, in general, Haunted Mansion, though, because... There are so many elements and so many Imagineers mm-hmm. came together. Like you had Exitensio coming in for the music. You had Harriet Burns coming in for the Leota stuff. You had the like uh, Omni Movers, Doom Buggies. You had all of the illusioneering things that Yale Gacy brought in. The storytelling, we know that Walt wanted this so bad. Like right. Walt was like, I want this haunted house attraction. I want this haunted house attraction. And to finally see that come to light and all of like Claude Coates and like Rolly Crump, everybody that had to work together for that yeah. was made it magic. Yeah. Um, my number one would be Pirates of the Caribbean. Just um, because of what it, what it encompassed. I know, yes, they came up with, audio animatronics before that you had, they created, you know, the, the Tiki birds, they created Abraham Lincoln for the world's fair, but to put like a hundred audio animatronics in one thing. And the fact that it was the last attraction that Walt Disney worked on himself is why that's a huge imaginary. And I think it was, it was Marty or Dick Nunez. I think that they said that, you know, that they would push Walt through there, through the, through the ride. On in a chair so he could experience it. And he wouldn't go. He ended up, I was actually going to share this one because Pirates yeah. is my number two. Okay. But um, he sent Claude Coates down. Yeah. Or it, it, oh. I think you've told us it this was, before. I yeah. have. Yeah. I have. Um, so I had, I interviewed Claude's son, Alan, and he said that Walt. Well, couldn't make it down to see it. And he said, you just go see it for me. You just go mm-hmm. see it for me. And you right. tell me, you, you know what I would like. He's up in the apartment. And so he goes down, uh, Claude goes down and he goes, well, you would be proud. You, you would yeah. be really, really proud. Um, and, and what was okay with that? He accepted that. So, yeah, I, and I agree with that. That's my number two. So I first give it right over my number two, because I agree with it for all the same reasons. And for the fact that it was the last thing Walt worked on, for the fact that like Yale Gracie's like fire literally made them think there was an actual fire. Oh yeah. They had to there. change it. They had to actually yeah. change it because it was too realistic. So. And then like just so many park connections that run through there too. Oh, it's for just, sure. 
I mean, if we're going to we'll go by you, two, right? my number two is the Haunted Mansion. So, I mean, if we're, <laughs> so I, there I, you I, go. sorry, Lewis, we're just going off the track here. But yeah, my number two is is Haunted Mansion. They're for iconic. The reason, for the same reason Sam said they wanted to finish it for Walt because he wanted it. Um, you know, they talk about the story and they're about the battles of what it was supposed to be and everything. And just. I'll be completely honest, though. Um, I talked to Claude Coates' son about that, and he said that the, you know, how they're always like the Imagineers were fighting, and they had like this animosity against them about the haunted. He said that was not the case. He said his dad never was involved in any kind of like issues like that with. That's good to know. With anyone else, so I I probably have that audio somewhere. Angela Bassett for telling us the wrong story. Sam went straight to the source yeah. of sun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Let's get that guy on too. Um, we would have to record during the daytime because he's in Europe. But okay. we could. I'm sure yeah. he would. Lewis, so give us your one and two. <laughs> Sorry. So my my one and my first one was Haunted Mansion, just because yeah. all of the different inputs on Haunted Mansion. Not only that, I mean, there's so many at that time. The elevator to lower you down into the hallways. The um, the doom buggies, that system. I mean, there are so many. I mean, the smoke and mirrors. So Haunted Mansion was my first one, but you guys nailed it way better than I would have. So I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, my second one is uh, Tiki Room. And the reason oh, why Tiki, the reason why Tiki Room is because, first off, it's a lot of animatronics, but it was supposed to be a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And now it's not. And it's still one of the most busiest attractions. There's nothing to that attraction. But the songwriting from the Sherman Brothers and just the overall vision from Walt Disney and the Imagineers at the time to say, Hey, this is going to be a show. That's not only going to be a show, but it's going to be a show that lasts for going on close to 70 years now. Like the fact that that's still around and still packing the house is just mind blowing for something so simple. And so So, for me, I've always liked Tiki room. Do you want to know what is amazing about Tiki room? You know how hard it was for them to make those birds. Blaine Gibson had to take the clay and work on it with a fork in the parking lot. So it was hot enough to mold. Like he was laying it on the parking lot pavement. So it was hot enough to mold and carving them out of with a fork. Wow. That was his tool. Hmm. Cause that, that, that was what the tools, they didn't have all of the technology that we have today. And this is why you have her on this show. <laughs> Yeah, like that. Yeah, this is why two and a half years ago I begged her to be part of this freaking show. Shit like this, you know. But I would like you mentioned Blaine Gibson. I I I wish there. I'm sure there's a number out there. I would love to know how many molds and sculpts he made that are still in the parks today. Not necessarily recast or remade, but how many of some of his original molds are still being used today because the fact they were just made so well. You know what? Let, let me see if I can find some research on that. If I can find some research on that, we can pop it in the Discord. So anybody that wants to sign up for our Patreon can join our Discord and find out. Love, I love our plugs. So now we're going into our third <laughs> our, our third one. And I'm sure I'm going to culture sock some, some people, but uh, let's hear what your third one is. I am going with Toy Story Land. Oh, then I'm not. Then I'm not out of the. Uh, Where are you going to go, Star land? Wars? I'm going the entire land because, Sean, you have not been to Walt Disney World to see Toy Story Land, right? I have not. When you walk in, it is literally like you are in a toy box. You are like the Tinker Toys are everywhere. Um, the characters are out. The Slinky Dog coaster is amazing. The food is it really? That- it looks like it's like really slow and boring. It's not. Like it looks. No, Slinky Dog Dash is an amazing coaster. Like, oh. and the thing is, like, you don't have to be super tall to ride it. So Haley rode it when she was two and a half, maybe about to be three, because she is a taller kid. Absolutely loved it. That turned her into an adrenaline junkie. I'll have to, maybe I'll put the video in um, there you go. Patreon. <laughs> I'll put the video in Patreon so everyone can see. But the the character interaction, the entire the way that they can theme an entire land and make you feel like you are a small little tiny little toy is amazing. 
the way that they tied the food mm. in beautiful i mean i i had a hard time picking between toy story land and star wars and galaxy's edge so those were i had a very hard time because the theming of both like and they're literally right next to each other in hollywood studios at walt disney world you walk through toy story land to get to galaxy's edge but like how everything is in a different language like everything is like right. and there's apps that will translate the language for you and these people are walking around and you literally feel like you're in a star Wars movie. So I, it was a really hard, hard choice for me there, but I went with Toy Story Land because it's one that's more near and dear to my heart. I feel like mine is boring compared to that. Mine is, um, is guardians of the galaxy mission breakout. The overlay. Yeah, I can't pick that though. Cause I haven't done it. I, and I picked it because because when they first announced it, I was like, this is a bunch of crap. Why would you do this? And then when I saw Joe Rody explain why they're doing this, I'm like, holy crap, this is cool. And it's one of my favorite things ever. The Tower of Terror was boring as hell to me, I thought. It was fun, but it was boring. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy with the music and the theming. And when you walk into that, when you walk into the Tyvon collection and just all the stuff you see, I mean, you see Figment. Figment's up in a box, just locked up in a box. You have Harold from the Matterhorn, the original Matterhorn, just up in the pipes, just all these different things. And you're like, okay, dude, I see what you did. And he's not one of my favorite, one of my top three things, but that, what he did with that, and in the amount of time they did it, they closed it in January and opened it in May, at the end of May. Because it really wasn't a big reskin. It was just changing everything out. But amazing. I I, I love that. If you go about imaginary itself, I love that attraction for that. So my third is very similar to Sam's, but uh, and I've talked about this a little bit on the show for multiple reasons. But can I guess? Go ahead. Toontown. Toontown. <laughs> for I mean, there's there's a, there's a huge love for Toontown on all different levels these days, but. Like you're sharing everything down to the mailboxes are interactive. Mm -hmm. The water fountain around, you step on the music instrument. Now, I'm talking about Toontown up until 2000. When they started repoing all the McDonald's Playhouse stuff, like the ball pit, the bounce house, when they really made it way too safe for everybody, it became kind of lame. But back when there was the ball pit, back when when Goofy's house was a giant bounce house, like Mm – and just the idea that says, hey, we need to build something. And I forget the Imagineer's name. He always wears the cool spectacles. But um, to give Mickey and his friends somewhere that they call home. And the fact that I know that it closes because of fireworks. But I love that, hey, if Toontown closes because the characters, are it's late. They're going to bed. Like just really selling that story. And there's so much interact interactions going on in Toontown. From the cars, from the the uh, fish tank gas pumps, all that stuff. The one thing they are lacking on is the food. I wish the food was a little bit more creative for Toontown. But overall, Toontown for me is a key piece because they gave Mickey a home, and not only that, they made it mm-hmm. so interactive. Like if, and I'm I'm looking forward to the reopening. Excited to see what they're going to do because now they're going to give it the love it needs and build things that can really blend to the park without having to be worrying about whether it be germs or people getting hurt, all that stuff. And not only that, to fit in Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway there without oh nice disrupt- Sorry. <laughs> without disrupting the view and uh, what is it called? The Al Capitoon Theater. Like that's so rad. Like, yes. like we're gonna make this work. Yeah, for so, sure. That's a I dropped I, I like I dropped the ball on on picking that, but great choices. I've not experienced it. Uh, where they like they have Pete's Silly Sideshow now at Walt Disney World, and it's just like so dumb. Like the only thing there is uh, Dumbo, which like the playground in Dumbo is super cool. Like there's a my, like Haley will go in there if I need to take a break. Like I need to take a break and just be like I need to sit and like check emails or something i just go into dumbo and let Haley run around and she will run around forever and play in that playground with all the other kids before we get on dumbo (laughs) so like they they thought of a lot of these things but also like that's right where the water parks are and stuff and 
you, you really don't want to let your kid get splat, like splashed up and wet in a splash pad when you're doing the parks. So, right. but I am excited to see them um, try and bring some of that back For to sure. Walt Disney World. The train. Yes. What's next, Lou? All right. So, if you had to pick one park that encompasses Imagineering, top to bottom, north, mm-hmm. east, southwest, mm-hmm. which theme park do you think best? reflects Walt Disney Imagineering? This is a really, really hard one. Because for me it is. Because I don't see Imagineering as just like a theme park. I see it as an entire mission. So part Mm -hmm. of me wants to go with Animal Kingdom. Because of the way that Joe Rohde pitched it, the entire conservation message that is like, set up through the entire park with all of the attractions you have like the train that takes you to Rafiki's planet watch. You're learning about conservation efforts. You see the safari you have, you know, like uh, all of these things that are themed like an entire park, literally themed about animals. It's an entire zoo, Mm -hmm. but then you get like the Pandora aspects in. So that's great, but I'm not going to go with animal kingdom. I am going to go with Hollywood studios. Really? Wow, I was not expecting that one. Yeah. I am going with Hollywood Studios because it is modern day Imagineering. That's where Imagineers have been allowed to use their magic. That's where we have Toy Story Land. That's fair. That is where we have Galaxy's Edge. We are seeing, like, I miss Great Movie Ride, but that's where we have Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. Um, so I think that they are going, and I ho- I'm hoping they're going to do something with our Tower of Terror as well. So that's all in Hollywood Studios. So I'm going to go with just in Hollywood Studios. <clears throat> okay. Um, mine was probably pretty easy to guess. It's Disneyland. Disneyland. <laughs> well, I mean, it's because it's, it's the you, ask park. What, you ask what encompasses Imagineering, and that's nothing, I think, in my opinion, encompasses Imagineering more than Disneyland, which is where everything started. Without that, there would be no Animal Kingdom or Hollywood Studios. Listen, it's Disney. subjective because it's it, it, subjective perception because I haven't been. So, I, and, and and that's the thing. And I tell you, Sam, and I'm not gonna. I, In a couple months, when I'm walking yeah, down, yeah. I'm gonna like sob. <laughs> no, I'm gonna tell you. I, you know, Mark Valentine. I listened to a show he was on a couple months ago. He, he went to his first Disneyland trip. But you know, he went to it and changed his mind. <laughs> But okay, all right. Um, if people that don't know, and that's the point I'm getting at, is people that are so Walt Disney World, Walt Disney World, which that's all you've ever been to, correct? Yeah. And I've only been to Magic Kingdom when I was 16, so that was like 30, almost 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. Were you doing like? Uh huh. You were 16. Yeah. I was gonna say grad night, but yeah, no, it was 16. We had a, we had a band performance and we got to pick Epcot. Oh, you got or, to do the Main uh, the, Street Parade. Yeah, we got to do Epcot or we but we got to spend a day in one of the parks. It was Epcot or Magic Kingdom and being a Disneyland fan, I picked that. But once you go to to uh Disneyland and you stand there, I'm telling you, you, you will because of your love for Walt Disney and everything, it will it will completely flip your you flip your mind and change your mind. I I I, I guarantee that I would be shocked if it didn't. When you stand and look at the wall, that when you look at Walt's apartment, which is blows my mind now that this is what this is all came from. Our show came from. I look every time and almost tear up. You look at the original castle. You look so at the I wall. I still cry. Came. I still cry yeah. walking to see Cinderella Castle. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, but for me, that's a different kind of emotion. Like that that connects to my dad's passing. But mm-hmm. I have no doubt. Like Megan, we shared that video from Megan. Um, yeah. the magical millennial on TikTok, she was on the show with us tonight on the live stream and you shared the video. And I was like, I am literally all of these people. Yeah. I am mostly the emotional part goer mm-hmm. where everything is like, Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. Like yep. every time I go, even if I've experienced it 50 times before, I'm still standing there crying like a baby because you can feel the magic and Imagineers are the reason you can feel that magic. Absolutely. hundred percent. But yeah, Disneyland's my choice. So, Lewis, how about you, buddy? So, Disneyland was my choice, but I feel like, unfortunately, the city of Anaheim is is, is bottlenecking Imagineering. 
and that and that's why I didn't choose Disneyland. But I, for me, and it's the newer one. I think Shanghai Disney. And that I, was I my second that, choice. That was. Oh, if we're choice. going international, I'm going yeah. Disney Sea. I thought we were staying national. If we're going international, I'm going Tokyo Disney Sea. See, and Tokyo Tokyo Disney Sea was another one that I was like, oh man. But I think Shanghai Disney, one, the way Bob Iger pitched it is it's uh, authentically Disney, but uh, distinctly Chinese. Like, I just like the way, and that way that blends. They took what Walt did with the original Disneyland and then recreated it in a way where, honestly, if Walt was here today, he'd make those changes. Where now the hub isn't just the hub, it's, it's an actual land itself. It's a place where, you know, well, I forget the Imagineer's mm-hmm. name, but she says it's the four plus two equals one or like that mathematics where it's the grandparents, the parents and the grandchild where mm-hmm. the center hub where the heart of it is, is, hey, this is where grandparents and grandchildren could have fun. Well, the young adults or teenagers can go out into the park. And I feel like Shanghai just has that what Walt wanted to do probably didn't have. The Imagineers weren't that exposed to what they can do. The money wasn't there quite yet. But I think Shanghai really encompasses probably what Walt would have did today if he was to redo Disneyland today. Um, let me work and see if I can get an interview from Josh Sedman because he was one of the um, primary Imagineers for Shanghai. But I know that Gilbert has offered, Gilbert Lozano has offered to come on and talk with us. And he was in Shanghai. But I would love to hear his perspective on Shanghai, because the last time that I interviewed him, I did not talk really about Shanghai. So we should do that. Remind me to do that guys. All right. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to write a note, but remind me. So we have uh, two more questions or topics. And then uh, one is actually kind of an audible based on what we talked about before we went live. And uh, I'm going to throw it in there. Do you think Walt Disney is an Imagineer? Yes or no, and why? I think Walt is the original Imagineer because he came up with the storytelling. He came up with all of these concepts, and he delegated the right people to do the job. So I'm going to say yes, Walt was the original Imagineer. Imagineer wouldn't have existed without his concepts. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that statement. So He was going to be my number one pick, and then I changed it. Because it kind of seemed cliche, but it's really not. That you think about it, he really is. None of this would be here without him coming up with the idea of an Imagineer, you know. So yeah, for sure, he's he is. He's the ultimate. I, I was set on no, I was, but those are two <laughs> really strong arguments. And the reason why I'm saying no is because he brings the team together. I mean, Nick Fury's not an Avenger, but you got the Avengers. So like, I look at it that way. But those are really strong arguments that I really would be lying to myself if I stuck with no. So I'm going to say yes. And then it kind of blurts out the the question, but I was really leaning towards no. But honestly, if you think about it, Nick Fury should be an Avenger because he shows like, well, he doesn't show up in the field as much, but like he does. He's the man with the plan. Yeah. Yep. Good so dude. he really should be an Avenger, just like Walt is the original Imagineer. Yep. All right. So He's the leader topic. of the Avengers Initiative, so technically that does make him an Avenger. He's just not a superpowered Avenger. That's yeah, that's a good point. All right. So the last topic that was undiscussed about Imagineering and Imagineering whole, since it's the closest thing that we can get to at our fingertips, what is your guys' review or opinion of the Imagineering story on Disney Plus? I was pissed off when it ended. (laughs) Right. I wanted more. Mm -hmm. I loved the interviews that they had from like these elite Imagineers who nobody really has access to right now because they're not doing interviews. Right. I, I craved that so badly. So when they gave me that during COVID, I was happier than any, I was like a kid in a candy core. Candy core, candy store. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I thought it was amazing. And honestly, like I was really hoping for more and uh, my heart is broken that they haven't given us more. I will say this, that um, when we were at the, the, the D 23 Marty Sklar thing, um, Leslie Iwerks was the, she hosted it and people are telling her when's the imagine engineering story two coming. She says, she said, just wait, just wait. So, 
because there's got to be more. There's so much more you can dive into. Um, we forgot to talk about Ub too. Like, yeah, it's, her dad, like Ub yeah. Iwerks. Oh my gosh. My thoughts on the the Imaginarian story on Disney Plus. It's the best show on that platform. There's nothing better than that show on Disney Plus. It's the first thing I watched on there. I've watched it four times continuously. I just started it again yesterday because I can continuously watch it because you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's Walt talking. Walt talking. I heard that this morning when I was watching it. Walt talking about when he's not going to be there anymore. They just have, like like Sam said, they have these little snippets of these interviews. And he said, I told them, you know, the old man's not going to be here forever. And someone's got to take care. Nothing compares to that. Not Endgame, not Wanda, not Moon Knight. Not anything. Nothing compares to that story on, on that on that channel. That's the best show on that channel, and it will be until they come out with part two. Right? Opinion. No, absolutely. <laughs> I am like a hyper puppy when I watch it too. Like yeah. every time I recognize somebody that like I've either interviewed or I've either heard or I've heard about an interview or I've read about or I've like podcasted about, I'm literally sitting there squealing in delight like a hyper puppy little kindergarten child because these people created so much magic for us. And when you get to like see them and realize like, holy shit, they're, they're talking and they're delivering a message that I'm meant to hear. There's nothing like that feeling when, when you love Imagineering the way that we do. And when you love the Disney parks, the way that we do, nothing compares to that. Other than them like hugging us, but they're not hugging right. me. It's like so. you need more. Like Sam said, you just need more. Give me more. Give me more. Give me, give me more Bob Gurr playing basketball. Give me, give me Tony Baxter. Oh my riding. gosh. When he got to like finally shoot the basket in the Matterhorn, I was ugly crying. He's oh, like, yeah. well, you know, they didn't really let, a, and let then us they, do it. There's so many. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and do it as, I mean, in this, it should, you want to sign it? Well, as the originator and the creator and the, yeah, I guess I could. And then there's a shot in the first episode where he's in the monorail and he's going and they slow down and he looks over his shoulder and the Matterhorns are just like, holy shit, this guy did both of these. And you're this, this is the guy. And like I said, even when we we're picking our, this is the guy that has the most iconic thing in that park. It's because of him. And if, to it, be able to moved, interview him if and, it moved in that park, it was him. For sure. I mean, the doom buggies, anything. He came up with the doom buggy idea. He came up with the Autopia cars. He came up with the people yeah. mover idea. Yeah. It, it, you know, any like you said, anything that moved, it was him. And he, and he had to learn how to, he had to learn how to design a roller coaster because it wasn't his job. And look at that thing is still there almost 70 years later. Blows my mind. Hashtag, we, hashtag we stand Bob Gurr. That's right. <laughs> I, I love the imagine, imaginary story, but I w- it wouldn't be me if I didn't have some type of opinion to it. And of course, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the first three episodes, I love how slow it was slowly mm-hmm. working through that first episode about Walt epic. The second episode about Roy and really not drawing it out, but giving us as much as you can give us. Great. The third episode, they, they slowed it down, but you can feel it picking back up. I feel like the last three episodes, we went from like the opening of Walt Disney World to modern day. I feel like we could have slowed that down and really dive deeper into the Imagineers themselves because it became more about parks and not Imagineers. As were the first three episodes, were very much about Walt, Roy, Claude Colts, you know, Rolly, all of them, what they did. But then, like after the third episode, it became just about the attractions. And I don't want to say IPs, but a little more about IP. So I felt like the last three episodes, we should have dived in a little bit more about the modern day Imagineers. Because you know about T- Tony Baxter, you know about Joe Road, you know about those guys. But what about the last 15 years? A lot of those Imagineers don't get enough credit because, one, there's so many projects, there's so many Imagineers where before it was only a small handful and they were bouncing around. But um, the gentleman that just mm-hmm. retired from Walt Disney Imagineering, I feel like that imaginary story gave him a spotlight um i'm blanking his name he just retired uh tom morrison i think tom morris tom morris he's oh my gosh he's a he's a wonderful man yeah so like 
I didn't know of him until I watched that. And Adding I was like, him oh, to the interview list. Hang on. <laughs> all right. So I, I, I didn't know of Kevin him Rafferty on there too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am not friends with Kevin Rafferty, but I am connected. Well, we to can try. Ones. We can become friends. So I feel like, like I love the Imaginator story. It's it's a ten out of ten for me. But those last three episodes, I wish they could have slowed down and and dived in more, or the fourth and fifth episode slow it down, and then all that new stuff give us a season two. But then again, though, we've talked on yeah. other shows that Marvel or like Marvel tribes like that. Disney Plus after the halfway point. <laughs> If it doesn't stay consistent after the halfway point, they take off. So overall, the Imagineering story, I've watched that. I can't even keep track of how many times. But I was so stoked when they dropped that. It's funny the way you explain that. I never looked at it that way. But, you know, that literally the last three episodes are just advertisements. I agree entirely. Are just advertisements for, for, for for the parks. You know, so, I mean, yeah, I never looked at it that way. I looked... I would like you said I'd watch the first three or four episodes over and over, you know. Yeah, even through the Michael Eisner stuff because I, I thought Michael Eisner was great. I'm not gonna lie. So you know he yeah he did a lot for the he did a lot for the company and but yeah. No, I mean all all of the I mean even though I I I, I trash paycheck a lot I feel like all <laughs> of the CEOs and chairmen and stuff like that they they've done a a lot for the company. But at the same time, it's just how you carry yourself. And Michael Eisner, even though he had a rough time after um, the uh, Frank, Frank Wells, Wells passing, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm, I, I blitzed this. You know who really I, I'm not a fan of at all after watching the Imagineering story? Card Walker, Roy Junior. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Card Walker. Damn. I'm not a fan of Roy Roy Junior. Like. It just, I don't, maybe the, the, the cuts they did, but I've also watched Waking Sleeping Beauty's Castle, which is a whole other beautiful picture. But, like, the Imagineering story, I felt like Roy Jr. never stepped to the plate to really help out. Like, it was always about man- imagination, and he was kind of the, I think contradiction is the right word for it. Walt always said, Disneyland's always growing, always evolving. Mm-hmm. But I felt like every time Roy talked, it was always about this is what worked. We should be doing it this way. And that's kind of the polar opposite of what Walt was trying to do. Yeah. And I think Roy Jr. Like um, understood that as he got older, like I know a story about the first time he walked through one man's dream, they had him miked. And so they're walking him through one man's dream before opening day. And he starts sobbing, like listening to his dad talk about mm-hmm. Walt and about what the goal for Disneyland was. Um, I think he, I think he understood as time went on, but he was also put in a very difficult position to try like because this was natural to Walt. It was not natural to Roy. Roy was the finance man, and Roy Jr. like that's his son. Like this was not a natural process for him to run this company of innovation and imagination. Right. So. I, I mean, I understand. I have empathy for the position that he was in, but I also agree with you that, like, he was too rigid. All right. But that's well, all the topics I have for this. That's it? I mean, I could come up with more on the fly real quick, but uh, <laughs> or we can uh, come back for a part two of this on why and what is Imagineering. All right. It's your show, baby. I'm just here. That's, that's twice uh, in one night. Yeah. That's called your baby. That's called your baby. Everyone heard this one, though. Oh. Yeah. I mean, get the big uh, my cheeks blushing. Uh, do I need to leave the room? No. No, we'll take this to Discord. Oh, my goodness. Hey, yes. we have another. Jennifer is on there, too, now on Discord. I saw that. Yeah. I'm great. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, so speaking of Discord, I'm going to do a quick plug again because this is what I do. Do it. <laughs> we have launched a Patreon. We have a few g- very great tiers where you get some really awesome things as part of subscribing to our Patreon. You help uh, continue the content that we're creating. So if you like what we're creating, go ahead and find our Patreon link on any of our social media or search for Walt's Apartment, Walt, Walt's Apartment, a Disney podcast on Patreon. Um, 
And then you also will gain access as a Patreon to our Discord where we are just chatting frequently about show planning and about parts news. Right uh, now it's Winnie the Pooh. And yeah, it's the dark Winnie the Pooh stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but check us out on there. Patreon. It's fun. It's fun. I wasn't sure about it when we started it. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. But um, do it. Join us, Lewis. Appreciate you putting this together, man. Thank you so much. So um, take us home. Absolutely. Sam, thanks for joining us on this Imagineering story. Thank and, you so uh, much. Looking forward to the next topic. Our next topic, actually, I will drop that before we wrap. And our next topic for Main Street View is uh, Leaders Through the Century. So from Walt Disney to Bob Iger Volume 2. So Ooh. we're going to be discussing deep diving. Bob Iger 2. <laughs> we will be discussing the leaders of Disney in our next episode. More but until then, hope you enjoyed the view from Main Street. Night, everyone. Listening to a member of the Disney Podcast family. Head over to Disney Podcast Family on Instagram to see all the latest posts for this show and links to other great Disney podcasts.